I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kersky. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 57. Yes, and I'd like to start off by saying that the Lantern Cast is now a podcast where everybody involved has their own puppy. Except for Dan. Shut up! Shut up! I hate you guys. Yeah, you, you and Jason got puppies on, like, the exact same day, and they look like the same kind of dog. Did you guys also, like, call each other that morning to make sure you could, like, dress alike, too? <laughs> uh, no. No. <laughs> we've been looking for a dog for... Well, we, we've been thinking about getting a dog for a while. And we decided to finally get one. It was going to be Lauren's birthday present. So, we were doing a lot of searching. We we couldn't really have a big dog. We had to, you know, keep searching till we found something the right size for us. And then we found the dog that we finally did adopt, Daisy. She's adorable. She's a cross between, like, a dachshund and a beagle. Mm. I'm not really sure what Jason's dog is a cross between, but I know he named it Bigby, which is absolutely awesome. Yeah. So that's very cool. God. And... <laughs> I, I realized, because I didn't see Facebook until later, but you texted me one day asking for, I guess your dog's female? Yes. And you, you're just texting me asking, like, like what are what are female Green Lantern names? Like, obscure ones. <laughs> like, ones that my wife wouldn't know. Because <laughs> yeah. you wanted to name your dog something Green Lantern. <laughs> well, yeah, like, her, her original name was Sunshine, actually. Oh. And, like, I, I would have been cool with that, but my wife, Lauren, she didn't really, uh, she wasn't really feeling it. So, we couldn't go with Sunshine, so I'm, like, thinking of, like, names, like, you know. And, of, of course, you know, the the one name that I almost got past was Violet. I almost got Violet in there. Oh, God. But, uh, no, no, Daisy won out, so it's completely about as far away from Green Lantern as you could possibly get. You couldn't name your puppy Indigo One or Monk or something? Come on. Ah, <laughs> oh, Monk. Oh. Now, you see, if we had known what some of the other Indigo Lantern names were, then uh, <laughs> we, we might have had a shot, but oh well. What are you going to do? Name your puppy Weird Bird Thing. <laughs> Just <laughs> Squishy! Squishy, because it leaves behind squishies. There you go. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Maybe Storky. God. Like that other indigo. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have some Green Lantern uh, talk to get to now. Yeah, I guess. We're talking about uh, Green Lantern 54 and Green Lantern Core 48. Yep. Okay, Green Lantern 54. All right, it starts out in Manhattan. There's some subway mugging going on that gets bro- broken up by the real hero of, of the book and franchise, Rage Kitty who just wanders into the subway car and just dissolves the hell out of one guy and freaks out everyone else and just bullets are bouncing off of him. And that's it. That was a good issue. I liked it. <laughs> I think I think something else happened in that uh, they, they padded out the rest of it, but, you know. <laughs> See how Trotsidus shows up, because I guess he was walking him or whatever, and he, he executes all of these robbers on the bus after telling all the innocent people to get off, which, which you know, we're getting some nice some nice depth to atrocities as we go like this. But, um, you know, meanwhile, over in New Mexico, Hal, Carol, and Sinestro, are, they're gathered around the White Lantern battery, and, you know, 
Sinestro, he tried to lift it off camera, didn't work. Hal tries to lift it, doesn't work. Carol tries, no go. All three of them grab it at the same time, and it just reacts violently to it. You know, we got the the help me live thing that Dead Man... Did that happen? Did we talk about... Yeah, that happened in Bryce Day Zero, right? Um, sure. Yeah, alright, whatever. The Barry's talking to people, it's showing them things. You say, They see visions of the 12 resurrected heroes, all, like, decayed and, like, sickly looking. And the white battery keeps saying, find them. And we get these panels of clues to where the entities are. You know, the, and it names them. The Predator, the Violet Entity. You, you, you can give your interpretation of some of these names. Ophidian? Ophidian. Ophidian, the snake, the, in, the, the, the what color was that? Orange entity. <laughs> Adara, the blue entity. Squishy, the indigo entity. And, prosolite. And I said squishy. It's prosolite. You're prosolite. I don't even know what that means. And the butcher, the red entity. And then we cut to Ion over in Daxum where our, our, our little hooded gotta be guardian friend yanks Ion out of Sodom yet and sends him crashing to the planet's surface, along with all the formerly powered <laughs> Daxamites that we hate anyway, so that's cool. So now there, there's two entities captured by this dude. Back on Earth, Hal's asking the battery, like, what the hell, what are we supposed to be doing here? And the battery just transports all of them to New York, saying Atrocitus will help. And... You know, tr- the the four of them get into your cliche, you know, superhero fight that has to happen in every single issue because... And then Lobo shows up. And he has a puppy. <laughs> so what do you think? What did I think? I thought it was good. Yeah. I guess I should have thrown in there that uh, Atrocitus was doing a bloodletting ritual. And he actually got... Like, the universe made him a Mac of a map of the United States and marked where all of the entities are. So he's got his, like, his, uh, cloddy GPS going for him here. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, that that's the one thing that I am so curious about. It's like, he asks the universe to, you know, to tell him this information. Now, is he asking the white entity? Is he asking the black entity? I mean... Where is this knowledge coming from? I know. I hope they address that, because this is like... I mean, it's one thing to ask for, like, a general vision of the future and see what you get. Yes. He's asking... He's basically asking Universe, where did I put my keys? And it gives him a map of the globe with an X. And all you have to do is kill somebody to, to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice on the map, they messed up? They put the yellow symbol instead of blue? Yes, yeah. yeah. Hopefully they fix that for the trade. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a kind of reaction to this, like, I thought it was weird that all of the entities are in the United States. Yeah, well, what I think is interesting, like, here, here's a couple of aspects to that. And, yeah, okay, it's it's odd that they're all in the United States, but the fact that the white entity was being held in Coast City... Where it is now? Well, no, where it was. The, the white entity was in Coast City. Well, uh, that's where they summoned it. I don't know if that's... 
necessarily where it physically was underneath that city or anything. But but even even now it's in New Mexico. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it does seem odd that they would all be in the United States, but but the thing that seems odder to me is that Atrocitus like apparently recognizes what this is a map of, even though he's from a, a star system, you know, very far away. I just uh like you're. Oh, okay. I, 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 can, I guess I can see that. I took that as, like, he just recognized the symbols and noticed there were two missing. And that's what all that was about. Like, I, I think it would be cool if next issue we get a scene of, like, the the universe showed me this. What is this a picture of? <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. That would be good. That would make sense. And actually looking at this, the mm-hmm. two pages next to each other, the, the white battery sends the three lanterns to Atrocitus saying Atrocitus will help you find the entities basically. Yeah. And Atrocitus just got the information from somewhere of where the entities are. So like, maybe it is like the same, maybe the thing talking through the white battery is the thing informing Atrocitus. That's, that's a possibility. Although then you guys ask, why wouldn't it just tell the three of them? I I don't bring them together. I gotta stop answering my own questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what you call it? I uh, I looked at the map and I compared it to a couple other maps online. Oh God. Yeah. So and I I've seen GL Kita John on the other uh, forums. Oh, John Godwin. Yeah, he had uh, a post all about this too. So I did want to confirm it though. It looks like the Predator, which is like you know it shows an image of a dude watching a video like a, a woman or something like that. Yeah, we'll get to that, yeah. Yeah, that's apparently taking place in Nevada. Ophidian, is a, which is a picture of Larfleas going into a place where there's no trespassing. Like a national park or something. Yeah, that appears to be in Minnesota. Adara, <laughs> uh, which appears to be locked up, looks to be in around Massachusetts. That one's a little tricky because it's, you know, there's so many states over there. And it's, you know, kind of like a giant bullseye in that area. Hmm. Prosolite, or prosolite, or squishy, as you like to say. As I like to say, it's squishy. (laughs) Uh, That appears to be in Pennsylvania. Probably Redding. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Shouldn't it really be in, like, one of the Great Lakes or something? Like, where? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and, and like, there's no information for, for prosolite. And uh, The Butcher, um, I'm almost positive that that one is in Montana right now. Okay. Now, speaking of the... Like, let's go back to that page where it shows the five of them. Okay. Now, and, you know, it gives for... Well, for some of them, it gives little clues. Like, The Predator... Like, I looked at this, and I'm like... And my thoughts were, okay, it's inside it's probably inside someone who's a sexual predator right maybe it's just because i was what i was watching like law and order svu right before i got my dcbs box <laughs> but like it's it's some guy who's like shroud who you can't see his face and he's like i took that to be like some kind of like like video camera or something like he's recording somebody changing in their bathroom or whatever yeah i guess it's I, I have never seen a device like that, so I'm not really sure. 
I don't know, some some sort of like weird iPod looking recorder or something. And, and what's in his other hand? Like he's holding something up to his ear. So. Oh, I thought he was just you know using two hands to maneuver this device. Oh, maybe he is. Maybe maybe it's a device that allows you to see through walls. This could be because I'm uh, by now everybody's seen that cover image of a few issues from now. Uh, like maybe this it's an alien device and this is like the dude in the classic predator getup or something. I don't know. I don't know. But like it, regardless of who it is and what the device is, I think he's blatantly like I think they're going for that angle with it, you know? Right. Right. Like the snake, I already said I think he's going to be in like a national park or something. Uh well, I think the the Ophidian is actually in the orange power battery. Oh, that would be why... Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah. Because they show Larfleas in the battery right there. Oh. Yeah, and, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, he's going into a place that says no trespassing. You know, I don't think that's a national park. That that seems like private property kind of thing. In which case, it's interesting... <gasps> oh. What? No, go ahead, go ahead. Well, it's just interesting because it's like, as this is private property... That's usually a sign that's basically proclaiming to the world, this is mine, get out. Yeah, and building off of that, what did Lex Luthor inform Larflees of last issue? Most valuable thing is land. And here's land that no one else is allowed to have. Right. Which would make it that much more tantalizing for Larflees to try and take. Yes. Hooray, we're smart. (laughs) First of all, with with Adara... Yes. I did not realize, based on past pictures, that it had three faces. That was a little weird. <laughs> oh. Did you just not see the three faces either? <laughs> no, I thought it was just, like, two horns coming out of its head. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And then I see this shot, I'm like, oh, well, look at that. <laughs> it it can see everything. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Um. Oh. But... Oh, because in the flood, it was the dove who was searching everywhere for land. Oh, so it would, it would want to see in all their... I, okay. Okay. So this is locked up somewhere. And the, it looks, the, the locks we see make it look like it's some... It's like... Like, I half expect this thing to be in, like, a cage in someone's house. Or something. Just because, like, it doesn't look like any kind of, like, sophisticated... Like, it, it, it just... It looks like the locks on somebody's shed or their cellar or something, you know? No, no, no. This looks like, this looks like somebody is living in a, because, you know, if you look at the door, you know, it's like almost kind of like streaky. I don't know if that's, you know, supposed to be clouds or whatever. Well, the, it, pre- it, the, the predator has that background too. Okay. Well, to me, it looks like, you know, you have, uh, you have a doorknob, and then above that you have a a padlock, and then above that you have that little uh, that little other lock. That bolt. Yeah. Well, is is that what it's called? Is that, that I don't think that that's not a deadbolt. Is it? I thought that was a deadbolt. Well, whatever. But those are <laughs> those are locks that you can only lock from one side. So it's either locking someone in or locking someone out. Hmm. So. That means that, you know, they're either keeping Hope locked up, which is an interesting uh, 
you know, metaphor kind of thing. Or it could be that, you know, it's like in a, a neighborhood that's really bad and, you know, they have to lock it up. They have to lock their doors, you know, like that. But, you know, maybe it's like just a family that still has hope despite, like, the horrible surroundings or whatever. Hmm. I still say he's in a shed. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got Squishy, who they're not, who you know, true to form with the Indigos, they're not telling us shit. Yeah. And what do you think about what like what is behind the pred uh the butcher like are we supposed to be making something of that almost rocky texture? Well, you know it's other than the fact that it's probably inside a rock. <laughs> it's rocky, you know. It almost looks like scales, but I'm guessing it's probably supposed to show rocks. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, it's Montana, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I do like the fact that that the two extremes, the two very ends of the spectrum, their entities are, are so intense that they don't have names so much as they have titles. That's interesting. Yeah. And also, John Godwin on the forums... He uh he actually did like a search for what the names mean, mm. and he came up with I mean obviously the predator and the butcher are titles like you say, yeah. But Ophidian, it says uh, he's got a snake or relating to snake. Um, that makes sense because it's a giant snake. Indeed. Adara, um, he's got beauty or noble, which is you know interesting for hope. And prosolite or prosolite, squishy. Squishy. <laughs> a biblical term meaning stranger or newcomer. See, squishy is so much easier because it's like its name is very self-explanatory. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, because and, and John also has got a you know I guess it's like could possibly you know tied to the Phantom Stranger. No. That'd be that'd be odd. Well, I mean, if his name is. You know, a biblical term meaning stranger or newcomer. That that's that's right. If they're gonna make that jump, then they'll probably have something more to do with the timeline of the existence of the Indigo Core than anything else. But hmm. no, I don't know. So let's talk about Daxum briefly. <laughs> I lo- I'm liking this hooded guy. Like I I don't. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not. He's not dislikable yet. No, he's he's awesome. I, I look. Let's be honest. We have wanted to see something similar to this happen to the Daxamites since they got their powers. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Because I I can't remember which of us it was. I think it might have been you who said you know we're probably not going to see Sodom yet until like the end of this story arc. So what do you think about him being the second one taken? Yeah. Um. I. I will, uh, you know, say I completely thought that they were going to wait, you know, to take out Ion, you know, till the last one, or maybe not even, you know, like, maybe it would stretch on past this story, um, and they just wouldn't get Ion out of the sun. So, to have them deal with it, like, right off the bat like this, it's like, wow, it's like, okay, well, they just ripped out Ion, and that's something that they you know, conceivably, like, really could have done a few really cool things with, especially with Evil Star. Mm. 
So for them to sacrifice that, they must have something like really cool planned to have all these entities together. I also like that this this frees up Sodomia's character. That's so like, they they can do stuff with him and like I don't even know what book they would do stuff with, with him in because like that's the one thing I like about about how things are with the Lantern books right now. Like they could pick up and use him in this book for this story arc, or they could uh, they could bring him into Green Lantern Corps. Like, I, I was surprised that they got him out of the sun in this book instead of Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a little surprising. Now the the uh, the little hooded guardian dude. He's a guardian. He's a guardian. Uh, he he mentions uh, his gifts to Sodom. Do, do we think that he was referring to the death of the Daxamites or uh, getting him out of the sun or the or did he give Sodom that ring that he's very prominently wearing when he touches down? Well, he had a ring. He took it off when he went up into the sun, though. Hmm. I don't know. I thought that the gift would be that while he was in the sun, he would never be able to leave. Yeah. Because, you know, he basically, without dying, he sacrificed himself for his people. And he would never be able to pull himself out himself. And even if he could, he wouldn't, because that would be, you know, like turning his back on his people and he couldn't make that decision on his own. Yeah. So here you have this higher power that says, you know, look, like, these people are all assholes. <laughs> and <laughs> while, you know, you probably couldn't do this yourself to turn your back on them, so, you know, now I'm going to help you, you know, to turn your back on them. Yeah. I'm just glazed out of the sun. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, because you don't know, maybe he, uh, took the ring off, but held on to it, also. Yeah. Because uh, Aresia doesn't have uh, another partner. Oh, that's true. It would have gone off and gotten somebody. So. Huh. He probably kept it in his pocket. Yeah. Those pockets that they all have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he makes a little green fanny pack, just puts it in there, you know. There you go. So what do you think about this... Uh, like, we can say pretty much for a fact now that Atrocitus loves Mera. Oh. Oh, that's the spark of love that Carol was mentioning. Yeah, because then, like, like the very next page, he makes a giant construct of her, and now comments, like, oh, he's still got a, a sweet spot for the princess, right? Or whatever he says. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I didn't really put that together. Well, that's why we're here for you, Jim. Yeah. And... You know, when I first, when I saw this this last page, like, I guess I knew it was coming, but it's just like, okay, Lobo? Yeah. Which, well, I did some researching, and I won't say anything until the green, until we do the Green Lantern Corps, but this, it might actually, it might actually tie into something. Okay, cool. Because I was actually, because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, alright, I wonder if there's going to be an explanation be to this beyond hey Lobo wants to fight somebody and he heard about Atrocitus so let's go <laughs> no no I I think it, it's probably a little bit bigger than that okay well the only other things I wanted to mention were uh, on the cover the uh, the subway 
Yeah. Number 666. <laughs> but that was interesting. And by the way, I love this cover. I, I think this is a really cool cover. Yeah, that was a nice, it was a nice cover. What was the, what was the variant on this one? Oh, who the hell knows. <laughs> I think it was, it was a good one. Was this the one of all of their hands trying to pick up the battery? No, no, that was like the one before or the one before that. Oh, well, I don't know then. Hmm. I like how, like, they're doing subtle things to, I think, evolve Atrocitus's character. Because, I mean, the thing with the Red Lantern since day one has been, like, they're so full of just unbridled rage. It's just so raw and everything. Like, like th- their power manifests that way. Like, they're, they're literally vomiting with rage and it just comes out as this raw hatred. Like, they're so pissed off that they can't, they can barely form coherent thoughts. And now Atrocitus, he he keeps it together enough that he can actually mold his energy into constructs. So like, I, I don't know. I I'm, I don't know if I'm looking at this too deeply, but like, like I see this as a sign. Like he's cha- as a person, he's not the same as he was when we first saw him. It could be the exposure to the other Lantern Corps. Mm, maybe. But then when we first saw him, he was just like a murderous monster. And now we understand, like, okay, he he's doing what he does because he wants... He, he was lashing out at life being taken on a, on a grand scale, and he doesn't want it to happen again. So, like, there's layers to this guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess one last thing to mention, and because it, it kind of applies to an episode or two ago... Like, reading Sinestro talking about the White Battery, mm-hmm. I think Chad was kind of right about the White Lantern being the most powerful weapon in the universe. Because, I mean, like, if we quant- if we try and quantify its power based on, you know, if you use it to shoot beams at stuff, what will happen? Then, you know, I, I agree with you. We don't know that it's- it will be as effective on non-Black Lanterns as it is on Black Lanterns. But in terms of it being a single object that if you break this or destroy it, <laughs> it kills absolutely everything in the universe at the same time, that fact alone makes it the most dangerous weapon in existence. Well, yeah, I mean, when you put it like that, it's like it's like almost like a bomb. And if you detonate the bomb, everything goes, you know, everything just blinks out. Yeah. Actually, you know what it kind of reminds me of? What? Because now you have, you know, this it, the entity is connected to everything that's living. So a, a, everything that's alive is connected to this one power battery. It's kind of like uh, the Futurama episode with the, the parallel universe box. Yeah. And they, they end up, like, pulling the boxes inside out so that the entire universe rests inside that one box. <laughs> yeah. So, like they ha- and they have that box in their living room. It's like, what's in the box? <laughs> Our universe. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's that's kind of what that you know seems to me. Futurama's coming back, you know. Like the new season isn't like a month or two. I know. It's awesome. The last thing that I wanted to say about this issue, the the sword and the stone reference for the White Lantern. Hmm. It's almost as if they're making the White Battery kind of like. It's like DC's version of Thor's hammer. Yeah, because the whole, like, if you're worthy, you can pick it up. Otherwise, 
you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, does does anybody not think it's going to be Dead Man at this point? Oh, oh, of course it'll be Dead Man. Yeah. Oh, good issue. I mean, yep. we, got, we got Hal calling Rage Kitty Garfield, which, you know, at least we can understand that link to a fictional character, so... <laughs> It's like it's not like he's calling him Fozzie Bear or anything, so that's that's good. <laughs> I don't know. I I kind of wish. I don't know. As I'm reading this, mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't really want to go through the build-up stage again. You know, like I want the kind of stories that Johns was telling in like his first year, where it was like one issue long or two issues or three issues long, maybe sprinkle in a five issue or here and there. It's like we just got like the multi-year build-up to Blackest Night and then the build-up to the end of Blackest Night and now it's like, okay, we're going to start building up another storyline now. It's like, I don't know. I just want something lighter. And not lighter in terms of like like happy-go-lucky, non-dark stuff. Lighter in terms of like, let's just tell some smaller stories right now. Well, I think I think you'll definitely get some of that with uh, the Lobo fight next issue. Yeah. Oh, well. Rage K bear fight that dog. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen. Ah, uh, yes. Because he's right there. He's, like, under the street. He's got to be. He's got it. it. All right, let, let's move on. I'm rambling again. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know why that cat is so angry. Did you hear... I, I can't remember. I think it was on the forum somewhere. Supposedly, he's from Earth. Yeah, I, I had heard that, like, it was an Earth house cat. That doesn't make any sense. I hate that. There are no words for how much I hate that. Like, first of all, he's blue. (laughs) Secondly, how awesome... Look, look, I like cats. Some of my best friends are cats. That's not true. (laughs) But I like cats. But the idea of there being this random blue pissed-off alien cat out there that may or may not talk, probably doesn't, just makes the concept cooler than this random house cat or alley cat on Earth, you know? Unless the fact that it is so angry is because it got turned blue. So someone out there painted a cat as a prank, and it got pissed off and went to outer space. It got so angry it became a red lantern. I hate that. I hate you. I hate <laughs> everything. And on that note, let's go to Green Lantern Core number 48. Let's... Okay. New creative team. Brand new creative team. We got Tony Bedard, who, what is he, done? Uh, Legion? Rebel. Rebels. Rebels, Rebels, that's it. And he did a couple of issues of the uh, Adventure Comics. I th- Yeah, I think he did the, uh, did he do the Blackest Night tie-in issues? The... Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, art by Ardian Syaf. Yeah. Okay. So, Green Lantern Corps 48 opens the same way that Green Lantern 53 closed. You have Guy, Ganthet, and Atrocitus. They're, you know, teaming up on uh, Yasmol. So, yeah, that's kind of like a retread. Then uh, you flash over to Oa, and you have Ganthet, who is renouncing his position as Guardian, instead for a Green Lantern ring, which he then goes to forge in the Foundry on Oa. And uh, he becomes the Green Lantern of Sector Zero. Uh, next up, you have Rookie Lantern Hralkar. Yeah, I hate that guy's name. <laughs> Me too. 
he gets abducted and uh, turned into an Alpha Lantern. Then uh, you click on over to uh, John Stewart, not the TV host, the Green Lantern. Oh. And he's rebuilding and condemning the uh, unrebuildable buildings on Oa. <laughs> yes, the unrebuildable. And uh, he's having a little chat with Gambit and Kyle. And then he kind of gets called over to the Guardians because the Alpha Lantern Bodica needs his help to find Stell, who he's, you know, completely uh, incommunicado after going to his home planet, Grenda, and uh, finding out that the population had disappeared. Then uh, we close with Lantern Glibberquip. His name is Glibberquip. (laughs) Who had been searching for his missing rookie partner, Hralkar. (laughs) Oh, Tony Bedard. (laughs) (laughs) And he finds him as an Alpha Lantern, and is then about to get turned into an Alpha Lantern himself. All right. Let's 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 talk about the art and story separately here. First of all, what do you think of the art on this issue? Art Artie and Syaf? Okay. I I will say that overall for the most part I like it a lot. Mm. You know, there there are small things here and there, but like, you know, like the last splash page with the Alpha Lanterns you know that that's that's fantastic. That's really good. You know, basically anything with the Alpha Lanterns is great. I think he draws the Guardians really well. You know, most of that I don't. You know, oh, he, the Black Lantern Kilowog that he draws is awesome. Yes, that almost looked like a Van Skyver picture. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like good Van Skyver. You know. <laughs> um, there are a couple of scenes of the the scene with Guy Gardner. Uh, Ganthet and Atrocitus. Yeah. That stuff all seems very... It looks a lot like... Well, who's the guy doing JLA right now? Um, um, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man guy. Bagley. Yeah, Jeff Bagley. It Mark looks Bagley. very similar... Mark, Mark Bagley. <laughs> Keep that. <laughs> Jeff Bagley, isn't that a musician? You're at, I know about as much about music as I do about movies. Uh, so... Yeah, okay, so, I mean, but, I mean, even then, it's it's still good art. Except for the way he draws atrocities. Yeah, yeah. And the first time, alright, when I saw that first panel, because I didn't look at the right half of the book when I looked at the first, that page there, so I'm looking at that, that splash page where we see atrocities unveiled to us. And his, you can see, like, the top part of his head and his jaw... And there's just, like, this explosion of blood coming out. And at first I thought, oh, that's kind of a cool effect. Like, Atrocitus is vomiting blood, or there's blood caked around his face, and it's just (laughs) all exploding out. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. And then as you read through, and you see Atrocitus every single other... And in every single other panel he appears, you realize that's just what Artie and Syaf has decided his face looks like. Yeah. Like, his face is made of, like, angry, moving liquid. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's my my major complaint there. Yeah, mine too. And like, there's just there's like just little stuff like Ganthet's hope emblem is has like different proportions on every time it shows up, and oh, depending yeah. 
And depending on what panel you're looking at, Jon Stewart does or does not have stubble. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's like when he's... Can't find a page with John. <laughs> when, he, when he's, like, first floating there, you know, doing the construction stuff, he ha- he blatantly has stubble all over the place. Then when you turn the page, he has more stubble. Then when he's in the Citadel, it's gone. Um, no, you can still see a little stubble. Like, when... Uh, when, he's, when he's talking to Badika then there appears to be no stubble whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, how about this? Oh, well, okay. Everything else I liked. I thought I thought he did a good job. Especially if this is his first time, his first issue and, you know, he can only go up from here. I think this is a good good starting point for the guy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Except with the exception of the atrocities. I mean, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, and I mean, how many times is atrocities going to show up in this book, really? Yeah. Hopefully not often. Yeah. Um, all right. For the writing side of it. Yes. I was pretty like I was pretty satisfied. I like I I liked the focus on Ganthet. It's like the new writer coming in, focusing on the new member of the um, the uh, main supporting cast, which I thought was appropriate. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It everything felt kind of like it felt good you know like i was nervous about this issue but it felt like this guy you know this guy tony bedard it felt like tony bedard has a good handle on what he's doing because there's like there's a lot in this issue that is going to end up like dovetailing into each other it's like like by the end when you you realize what the alpha lanterns are doing and you realize, okay, Jon Stewart just went off by himself with an Alpha Lantern without backup. Yeah. And what? And who? Who? Who disappeared? Stell, who's a robot. Yeah. And his entire planet of robots hasn't been heard from. So it's like this. It. It's like right below the surface. So uh, if you've seen like like advanced cover images, you know like exactly where this is gonna go, yeah. and it's it's just working out really beautifully right now. Yeah. Um, the one thing I want to call him out on though is the scene where uh, what the hell is his name? Glibberquip, which is a fun as hell name to say. When he goes to ask Salak for help tracking down his partner. And Salak's response is is basically like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just kind of says like like I'm sure everything's fine. You probably just pissed him off. Go go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like at any other point in the series, Salak would have like like said you know ring locate lantern weird name. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Paralcar. Or he would have, like, punched up on, like, the massive computer console he has to keep track of the entire core's activities. Yeah. Yeah, no, that... You're absolutely right. And and realistically, he has enough hands where he really could have done that. <laughs> it's like, he must be avoiding you. Sorry, I have someone who has an actual appointment to deal with. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's funny, because what you were saying as far as, like, the... the 
things that he's writing that are going to be dovetailing into each other. Like, the thing that I really liked about this, and and this is not not a, a slight on... Um, Gleason? Bedard? No, no, Gleason was the artist. Uh, oh, uh, Tomasi. That's Tomasi, right. yeah. Uh, Peter I've J. already forgotten them. <laughs> Peter J. Tomasi. I, I mean, you know, I, I obviously loved the book, you know, for his, his whole run. And if you remember, like, the one thing that I always said about his run was that while there were times where he had, you know, like, subtle, like, clues and hints and things like that, it was usually more so, like, uh, what you see is what you get kind of thing. Yes. I think Tony Bedard is leaning more towards the Jeff Johns method of, you know, kind of peppering things in there. Mm. Because, let's see... You know, like, a couple of things that they, like, make a point of of mentioning in here. Like... Oh, yes. You know, like, the Guardians, they specifically say, it's like, now we're down to six Guardians. This is the time when we need help the most. Well, if you think about it, okay, there's six Guardians in the Green Lantern Corps. And there's Ganthet, and there's Sade. That's, like, you know, all together, that's eight Guardians out there. Seven mm. cores plus white. Oh. You know, like, now you have Ganthet, who just renounced his, uh, you know, his uh, guardianship. Well, he renounced it so that he could be closer to the people that are actually out there living. You know? So, mm. that that tells me that if it comes down to it, you know, Sade is going to be part of Orange. The rest of the Guardians are going to go for, you know, different colors, and Ganthet is going to be picked for white, if they do something like that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, the other things that they uh, they say are, uh, you know, like, the Guardians make a point of referring to the, Guardi- the Guardians that had picked names. Like the Mad yeah. Garden Appa Aliapsa. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I'd latched on to, because, all right, we disagreed, like, I was saying last time we talked about a Green Lantern issue, like, that's who the hooded figure absolutely will be. You didn't think so. What, and did, then, I, what did I say? Um, I think you were pushing for Krona. Mm. But, like, they go out of their way, like, they didn't have to name, run down this list of names here. They go out of their way to mention, oh yeah, remember the Mad Guardian, Appa Aliapsa? Right. When we just happen to have this little guardian-sized hooded figure in the a book that's going around doing guardian-like things, <laughs> so it, it's it, it it's it's him, it's him. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So you have that, which I don't know. That that might be in there to throw you off, or it might be a direct clue. We don't know. Hmm. But the other thing, and this is this is the tie to the uh, Lobo showing up in Green Lantern, Ganthet makes a point of when he's talking about how they covered up the old architecture of Oa, they covered up the Manhunters, and they covered up the Scions. Who are the Scions? The Scions is something that we have not heard from in a while. But it's, it's like a definite, like, hardcore point, you know, of Green Lantern mythos. The Scions were 
the like lizard race on Maltus. Oh, okay. And the Owens, you know, when they were back, you know, before they went to Oa, they were like uh, experimenting on this lizard race, like evolving them so that, you know, maybe they could get to the point where the Owens were. Mhm. This isn't ringing any bells. Um uh well, regardless is, Lo- is Lobo a lizard? No. <laughs> regardless, they ultimately uh like kind of made a pact so that the Scions would stay only in the Vega system. And the Green Lanterns wouldn't go into that system. So they, they like, basically made a pact with Larflees and the Scions. You know, basically, they kind of probably made that pact where it's like, well, we already agreed with so-and-so to not go here, so we'll just agree with you two to go here. But, uh, you know, the Scions, they, you know, in the Vega system, they uh, had a bunch of dealings with the Omega Men. Okay. And who was part of the Omega Men... Lobo was on the Omega Men? Yes. When the hell did that happen? That's where he made his first appearance. Really? Yeah. I know he was... Didn't he used to be on some version of the Rebels? I I don't know. Possibly. But the the Scions, you know, they... At one point, they were trying to clone the uh, the Zarnian biology to make a, you know, like a clone kind of thing of Lobo. Alright, alright, okay. So you think that Lobo attack, Lobo going to Earth and attacking the Lanterns has something to do with the Zarnian cloning experiments being run by the Scions because who were, <laughs> who were exiled to the Vega system near Larfleas by the Guardians, before they were the Guardians, for some reason. Essentially, that's that's kind of what I'm... That's what I think may, you know, reveal itself. Like, I don't know, like, right now, Lobo, like, the last we saw Lobo, he was in hell. Is that in continuity? Is that the thing, like, that Rockstar or something wrote? The That was, uh... Rain, rain of Hell? Rain in Hell or something like that? I don't know. Oh, remember. he was in that? Oh, I didn't read that. Yeah, that, that you know, magic, you know, crossover thing. He was in that. He was in Hell. So, huh. you know, I mean, like, granted, he can regenerate from a single drop of blood. So, you know, there could yeah. always be one that's dead and one that's alive, whatever. But... You know, it, there may or may not be, you know, the cloning process that they, you know, were trying out. But, yeah. you know, just regardless of all that, you know, the the connection of Lobo to the Omega Men, to the Vega system, and the Vega system to the Scions and Larflees, and the Pact, which now is basically, you know, gone to kaput. The Guardians, you know, they were living it up over in the uh, the Vega system. And the fact that they're mentioning it in this issue of Green Lantern Corps, I think that that's definitely going to, you know, play out at some point. Eh, well, we'll, we'll have to see. Mm. I think it's it's a lot of, of like, there, there's a lot involved there that hasn't been on page at all or 
in a very very long time. Right. So yes, let's we'll, we'll see if we'll see how they go with that if they go with that. What do you think of the whole scene of Ganthet forging his ring? I think for the most part it's fairly gratuitous, but since I don't think we've ever seen that before, it is kind of neat to see. Yeah, I liked how he did the uh, the old school Manhunter style battery. Yeah, yeah. Which that got me thinking. When they lifted the moratorium in the last issue of Green Lantern Corps, and all the rings started going out to seek new new bearers for the rings. Mm-hmm. Well, when those people get the rings, what do they do about a battery? Uh, I don't know. Like, well, when this series started up. We saw, um, oh, actually, it was Green Lantern Core Recharge when that started up, and it recruited, you know, Saranic Natu and Isamod and Vath and all those people. When the ring showed up, it put itself on your finger, and it took you to Oa. So, you know, I guess you get issued a battery there. Okay. That's acceptable. I kind of like how, how, uh, Ganthet is basically the Green, the Green Lantern of Oa now. And one of his new co-stars is John Stewart, who was formerly the Green Lantern of Oa back in the Mosaic days. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Did they explain why John Stewart was on Oa? They didn't. I took it to be just because they had to rebuild, and he's an architect, so he was there. Because <laughs> yeah, that that seemed a little out of place. That's another thing. Like, like they've. They've said in, they've called these, they've called Kyle, John, and Ganthet the, the uh, the honor guard. Well, well, Kyle's established, but they've referred to John Stewart and Ganthet as being part of the honor guard now, both you know on this cover and in interviews and in blurbs and all this stuff. But you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for them to like actually say it in the issue, like like what maybe this whole deal with the Alpha Lanterns is going to be what prompts the Guardians to promote them kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and not to mention, like, well, what about Guy Gardner? Like, we know he's making deals with uh, Genthet and Atrocitus, but, you know, like, how come he's just, he's just, like, not in the book at all now? Yeah, I'm very interested to see, like, will will Guy and his his group still be operating under the Guardian's jurisdiction kind of thing? Or will Ganthet have set something up so they can kind of work off-grid? Or what's that about? I noticed with the Green Lantern barracks, there's no windows, apparently. Yeah. You just crawl in a hole and fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem very, uh, very, uh, wise. Especially with all the attacks on Oa. They don't even have windows. Give him a canopy or something. And, oh. Uh, I'm very interested. I, I think it's cool that they're going to try and put Oa's original architecture back up. I'd like to, I'd like to see a good double-page spread of what that looks like. Yeah. And I'm I'm very interested to see Gantha interact with like other regular lanterns and see how like they behave around him, how they act towards him kind of thing. Yeah. There's There's a lot of potential there. Oh, and and now Kyle is living with Saranic. Yep. And so, like, so we're clear. The way, like, let me tell me if this is how you took it. Ganthet reno- renouncing his guardianship just means he's gotten rid of the title. Like, he's still just as immortal as he ever was, 
and he still has his his like internal power and all that but he, now he's taken a new job and uses a ring as a tool you know yeah i i have to imagine that is the case it's like how sodom yet still used his ring even though he had ion inside him you know see yeah, a similar because uh, I can't, I can't see you say. I mean, like if he said, you know what, uh, I'm no longer going to be a guardian. Um, so so long immortality. Well, you know, he's like a hundred million, billion, zillion, quadrillion, you know, years old. Somebody write that figure. Someone do it. <laughs> he'd like he'd start aging. He'd like you know, it turned to dust in like seconds. <laughs> the ring would fly off immediately. <laughs> Yeah, good issue. Very good. Looking forward to the next one. Definitely. Did you get the Tiny Titans number 28? Oh, what's in there? It's not Chip, it's Budge. What the hell is that? <laughs> That's the, the Squirrel Green Lantern. I thought his name was Squirrel. <laughs> I, I, there's another one. There's, oh, God. Yeah, there's another <laughs> one named Budge. Why, why does... Why is his name Budage? Why is I don't know. Why is his name anything squirrel related? I don't know. But uh, was, it was it good? It was okay. It was okay. <laughs> I kind of thought that it was going to be I thought it was Chip on the cover. I haven't, you know, gotten a chance to look and and see if the cover changed since what was solicited. But uh yeah, that that was a little odd. Did he did it look exactly like the squirrel that got the ring back at the end of that Blackest Night issue? No, no, because that was definitely Chip. Hmm. This is definitely, like, this one, it's, you know, it's got, you know, Budge right on the cover, and it's a completely different character. And I call shenanigans on Tiny Titans. <laughs> yeah. They're retconning Chip. I hate that. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was good, it was good. Alright. Yep. Oh, and, uh, Wonder Woman. I, uh... I haven't gotten a chance to fully read it, but you know, I was kind of kind of skimming through with the the most recent issue, and you know, like I don't know if this is how everything Gail Simone writes goes, but are you back to hating her? <laughs> you know, it was it was entertaining enough. You know, I'm I'm definitely gonna keep on picking it up for now. It's just that the resolutions to you know, oh, okay. You remember the the uh, the other Wonder Woman issue where they had the Green Lantern core in it? Uh, yeah. Where she, I forget his name, but the blue dude that was pissed off at her. Yeah, yeah. You know, like with with that, and and one of the issues that I had with that story was that by the end, it's it, it ends with basically Wonder Woman being like. Listen, we all have to get along, and there's a diplomatic solution, and this is how it has to be. And I'm reading the story this time, and you know, it, obviously it's not the same exact ending, but the, like the tones in it was like, you know, it's like we have to work together. You know, me and you we're just alike, and you know, we don't have to be fighting. It's like, like seriously, like seriously, is this is just how. Is this how Wonder Woman deals with all of her conflicts? Where they fight for a little bit, and then they talk it out, and then they just work out everything? Yeah. I mean, there are ways to do that. 
I'm currently rereading Dan Slott's She-Hulk run because right. I missed a lot. I missed a chunk of that, and at least in the first trades worth, that's how she ends up dealing with almost all of her uh, her supervillain confrontations, and it's believable because of the way they go about it. But I like I haven't read the Wonder Woman issues yet. Reason being, I think I forgot to order the second part of this three-parter, <laughs> but. I'll get to it eventually, but, you know. But, uh, no, I mean, like I said, it's it's entertaining enough for me to keep reading. And and like I said, like, you know, credit where credit is due, I did not actually, you know, I didn't fully get a chance to read the entire story. So, oh, okay. you know, like, I may read it and be like, it's like, oh, that makes total sense. You know, I can understand why, you know, that happened. But just like from what I did, you know, gather from it. I don't know. It's just, it's less satisfying than I'm just going to keep beating you until you lose (laughs) or give up. And then I'm just going to throw you in jail. And when you're in jail, you can figure out that peace is a better solution on your own. You know, enjoy that. that, That's, that's a, you know, a bit more what I enjoy. Are you going to try the book out when uh, JMS takes over? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that, actually. <laughs> Can I tell you, I got a little, like, I don't know, just maybe disappointed when I found out he was taking over Superman, too. Because he's also writing the um, the Superman Earth-1 graphic novel, which finally got solicited. Okay. And... and like, like you, you got you had uh, Straczynski writing the Superman one. You have Jeff Johns writing the Batman one, and I thought those were two awesome choices because Jeff Johns has never written a Batman book, and as far as I can tell, JMS has never written a Superman series. Maybe he has. I don't. I'm not aware of it. But this, in my head at least, this meant that these two really good writers could now, like, kind of use this as their opportunity to just, like, to really make their mark on these characters mm-hmm. and have it be their own it, their own thing, its own thing. It would be awesome. And it would be different than what's happening in the regular DC universe. Right. But now you've got JMS doing that that version of Superman over there, and you're going to give him the regular version of Superman over here in the ongoing series. So I'm just afraid there's going to be, like, the two are going to spill over to each other or bleed into each other just in terms of how he writes them. Like, I'm not expecting, like, crossover or anything like that. Just, like, if the same guy is writing the same character in two different spots, there's chances that he's going to start writing them a little too similar. Okay, well, first off, the Earth-1 graphic novel is a one-shot. Mm, possibly. I've heard rumblings that they might do, like, a series of Batman ones and a series of Superman ones, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a possibility. But as it is, like, right now, it's just a one-shot. And the action, you know, the, the was it Superman or Action Comics that he's taken over? I think it's Superman. You know, he's taking over the Superman book. You know, the, the difference is, it's like, okay, you know, hey, JMS... Like, we know how good you can do when you're writing a story that 
doesn't take continuity into effect at all. Like the, uh, you know, like the Brave and the Bold issues. Okay, go on. (laughs) You know, not that they don't take into continuity into effect, but he's basically working, he's writing stories, like, within a moment where the continuity is already set, so he can just tell a story, and, you know, it's the kind of story where it's like, it's it's an amazing story, and it may not have lasting repercussions, but it's still a really good story. Yeah. And I think that is going to be played out amazingly when it comes to, you know, the Superman Earth 1 graphic novel. Now, on the other hand, getting to write Superman in, you know, the Superman universe and the DC universe is something that I'm sure a lot of writers would love to do at least once in their life, you know? Even if they don't, like, last that long on it, it's something that I'm sure that most of them want to do. Just to say, it's like, yeah, I was able to write Superman. Because, like, they always say, like, writing, you know, writing Superman, it's like writing a god. And it's always one of the hardest, you know, things to do. So it's kind of like a challenge. And he did just do wonders on Thor. So, you know, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, from that perspective, I think he can definitely come up with two, like, distinct Superman stories you know, that that aren't going to bleed over at all. Yeah. Eh, you're probably right. Hopefully. Yeah. Hey, LanternCast family. This is the Larflees Report. I'm Chad Bokelman, your segment host, and I'm going to be taking you through every single thing in the May 2010 issue of previews I think you should be picking up. Starting with Brightest Day, number 5 and number 6. This series has been filled with nothing but question upon question upon question. It's time we got some answers. These issues might be the start of those answers. Green Lantern, number 56. Creepy but cool cover of Hal inside of Hector Hammond's mouth. Who else is in this issue? Larflees. Check it out. Green Lantern Core, number 50. Cool cover. Gambit, Kyle, and John. Who's in the center? Cyborg Superman. He's back causing trouble. You know what he did before. You need to pick this up. JSA number 41 and JLA number 47. These two are going to cross over. Who's on the cover? Jay definitely picked this up. Justice League Generation Lost number 5 and number 6. Two words. Rocket Reds. Other Brightest Day solicits. Brightest Day the Atom Special number 1. Green Arrow number 2. Birds of Prey number 3. The Flash, number four, and Titans, number 25. What else is going on in the DCU that's Green Lantern related, you ask? Batman, Brave and the Bold, number 19. How is a kid's book related to Green Lantern? How about this? Cyborg Superman, Batman, Hal Jordan, and the Green Lantern Corps. Pick it up. Action Comics, number 891. Who is on the cover? Lex Luthor in full orange lantern battle gear could be a tease could have something to do with the story pick it up and see now superman number 701 nothing to do with green lantern but you should be picking this up because straczynski is about to hop on his run of superman he's done awesome things over in marvel with thor he's doing awesome things elsewhere this is going to be good stuff pick it up and since we're not completely dc biased here at the lara Flea's report i've got a pick from marvel for you 
Dan, listen up, buddy. You and I both love Thor and Straczynski's run with it. I know there's some other people out there. Straczynski's run on Thor is going to be in an omnibus. I don't get omnibus. They're too much money. This is $64.99, but it's Thor. Straczynski's run. I'm getting it. You should too. From Omni Press, an indie pick for you. The Sixth Gun, the free comic book day issue came out. It was awesome. I got to meet the creators, talk about the story. It's going to be good. It's going to get better. You're going to want to pick this up. It's like a Western, nor crazy story. It's really cool. Pick it up. Other stuff. From Graffiti Designs, you've got Black Lantern Hal Jordan and Blue Lantern Flash shirts. These look a lot better than the other shirts that have been out so far. These are going to be really cool. You should definitely pick these up. For those of you who can't stand the Carol Ferris Space Tramp outfit going along out there, Women of the DC Universe Series 3 Star Sapphire Bust. This is the classic Star Sapphire outfit. It's got that kind of 50 swimsuit feel to it. It's real classic, real clean, real good looking. It's 60 bucks, totally worth it in my opinion. You should definitely be picking this up. What else is coming out? You've got Blackest Night. Every single color of the Spectrum symbol is going to be on a keychain. Seems cheap, but it looks really cool. Nice little way to support your core. Also, Blackest Night magnet sets. These have got the different covers from Blackest Night. One of the covers is actually from the early Green Lantern series. It's the one where uh, Carol is standing over Hal. But it's still really good art, really cool stuff. You should be picking this up. Other stuff coming out from the DC Universe online game. They're soliciting a Green Lantern statue based on the character. Now these are just the CGI base models. They haven't actually taken pictures of the actual statue, so it may or may not look like this. But if it does look like this, I wouldn't pick it up. It's about as ugly as the pedophile Hal statue. Ugh, don't want to get that. But if it looks anything different than that, I'm definitely going to consider getting it. It's a really nice looking statue. Last but not least, Blackest Night series figures. This is series number 7 and series number 8. Coming out, Red Lantern Mara with Rage Kitty, Black Lantern Superman, Arkillo, Black Lantern Terra with Scar, Orange Lantern Lex Luthor, Sinestro Corps member Scarecrow, Indigo Adam, and Black Lantern Flash. Flash looks like he's based on Scott Collins' work. It, I don't know if it translates too well into a figure, but I like it. I'm going to be picking it up, and you should be picking up Red Lantern Mera because you don't want to be the only kid in Lantern Cast School without a Rage Kitty, an official DC Direct Rage Kitty. What's wrong with you? You should be picking this up. And if there's anything in this entire set of things I've mentioned that I'm going to definitely be picking up because my greed is so overwhelming, what is going to be mine is the Thor Omnibus. You should definitely pick that up. Seriously, I'm sorry. It's the Lantern Cast. I know. It's got to be DC related. But I'm sorry. I've got to go with Thor on this one. It's going to be good. Pick this up. I'm Chad Bokelman. This is the Larflees Report. Back to you guys. Okay. <laughs> That's the Larflees Report, everybody. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, is that awesome or what? He's got some energy to him.
<laughs> I was actually thinking about that Thor omnibus, but yeah. like I already I already have the first hardcover out of four, so I might just go for that. Plus, I I can get it in installments instead of like a big lump at once kind of thing. Right. Uh, did you see that Carol bust? I did. That was is that the one where like she ha- she has like a green ring on one hand too? Oh my god, I didn't I didn't notice that. It's like the classic style. Yeah, and she's coming out of, like, the crystal or whatever at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one, I like the style of that. It's very, like, it's very clean. It's very, like, like almost reminiscent of a time, you know? Uh, isn't it based off Amanda Connor's artwork? Is it? I think it might be. I'm not sure. I didn't, re- oh, I didn't read any blurb associated with it, so it might... <laughs> I, I, love, I love Chad's uh, description of the... The statue of Hal. <laughs> yeah, I I I take full credit for starting that. I like it. Oh, I mean, come on. Like, I don't even know where you can find a picture of it anymore. Like, we should put that as the picture that goes with this episode. <laughs> that thing, seriously. Like, I think that was the statue that I said way back when that if I got it, I would have to put it in the refrigerator facing the opposite way in order to sleep at night. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Oh man. And, like, I actually didn't even know about the keychains. I'm g- probably going to take advantage of those, because I, like... I've actually been looking for, like, a good, green, like, Green Lantern symbol keychain before. Like, I found one once, but never again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, everybody, yes, that's the Larflees report with Chad Bokelman. He'll, uh, he'll have those installments for us each month whenever previews comes out. He's just going to give us, uh... Basically everything Green Lantern related in in one uh, one little blurb. Yeah. So thanks, Chad. Yes. God. Hey, I want to give like an I guess I guess one big all encompassing thank you to everyone for the birthday wishes. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's a little ways after that now, but but still like people on the forum on Facebook. And just through Skype, you know, you've all been really nice, and thank you. I appreciate the thought. That's awesome. I didn't get a puppy for my birthday, Jim. That's that's an oversight, I think. Oh, you didn't get a puppy? No, but, no. But I'm no pretty pup. sure you did get something else in the mail. That was that was oddly aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You you text me saying, "Hey, I put your card in the mail," and I said. I, I of course thought, oh, birthday card, and I, it shows up. It's a sketch card of I think the cover to the first chapter of the uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, uh, Black Circle, Urban Night storyline, which is like my favorite Green Lantern, Green Arrow story. And I'm, I, I open it up. I'm like, ah, oh, I see what you did there, card. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. For all of our listeners. If you have a birthday coming up, you should get over to the the forums and, you know, basically, you know, let me know that there's going to be a thread for birthday sketch card and you just have to let me know when your birthday is and what some of your favorite covers are and I will hand draw you a sketch card of that cover (laughs) for your birthday. Nice. And also, right before my birthday... I, that's another shout out here. Uh, I attended the Wild Pig Sale over in uh, 
I, uh, was Kenilworth, now Springfield, New Jersey. Fantastic 50% off sale. Everybody in the tri-state area should go. If you haven't gone, shame on you. Chad gets a pass because he's in Texas. That's as far as I'll go. <laughs> um, but while I was there, I got to to talk to Zach, who goes by Deep Blue Z on our forum. <laughs> and he, it, it was it was a little surreal because I was just like, go. I forget. I was going through a box or something, and he walks up. Hey, you're Dan Kersky, right? <laughs> and I thought about like saying no and running out of the room <laughs> but instead I'm like, ah, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> and and he didn't murder me, so it, it worked out. <laughs> this is positive reinforcement. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a nice guy, man. He's I mean, he's in the, I think he said the Coast Guard, uh, the, thus the name Deep Blue Z. So, you know, he listens to us when he gets the chance and he's on the forum when he gets the chance, but yeah, me and him, like, we talked for like 10, 15 minutes twice throughout the day, and he's a good guy. You know? So, you know, Zach, you know, you're, <laughs> when you get to this, you know, it was cool meeting you, and hopefully we'll see you at other events. You know, try to get to Super Show next year. This year? Next year? I don't know what... Next Yeah, next year. <laughs> I forgot what month it was. Oh. It's very late, and it's very hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really wanted to go, but it just wasn't in the cards for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I have to get you your bookmarks. Oh yes, yeah. That the, like the the one reason that I really really wanted to go was because David Willis from you know the creator of the webcomic Short Pact, he was gonna be there, and I really wanted to get a sketch from him, but uh, you know I couldn't make it there. So at least Dan was able to get some bookmarks for me. Got a nice picture that he sent to my phone with uh with with dave giving me the thumbs up so that was awesome i think i made him uncomfortable <laughs> I, walked, <laughs> I walked up to him and i said hey uh my friend who couldn't make it thinks you're awesome and just wanted me to tell you that and and then like i walked i went to go away and i turned and i came back i'm like hey um can i get a picture of you giving him the thumbs up okay thanks <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> if he doesn't go to the next one, you'll know why. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, let's see. Last last week, I was on another podcast. I just listened to that, yes. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it features my impersonation of Lewis Black if he were cast as Ganthet. That might be the single best thing you've done <laughs> on a podcast to date. <laughs> uh, yeah, the if you want to listen, it's uh, it's Project Fanboy. the The podcast is uh, the Fanboy Buzz. It's episode thirteen. It came out uh, May twenty eighth, and yeah, definitely check it out. Like I, I was fortunate enough to join them for the episode. We we had we had much bigger things planned, but due to uh, a lot of uh, time constraints and scheduling conflicts. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just me me for that episode, but uh, hopefully we will, you know, do like a full-on crossover with them in the future. They're, they're a really, really great podcast. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts primarily because of time, but 
you know, like I, I listened to a couple episodes of them. They're awesome. It's it's a really, you know, really, really like it's a tight podcast. They got their stuff together and they're cool guys. They're really cool. You got to love their intro, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that that was awesome. The whole thing's awesome. It was just it was a blast. Like yeah. I laughed so much. It was just I had a great time. I had a really great time. So that's episode 13 of uh, Fanboy Buzz over at Project Fanboy. And we'll have all the links in the notes, so uh, definitely check that out. And speaking of this, and and you you guys went into this on that episode, and I mean it's going to come up eventually. Uh, you, we found out, and this is something I completely glazed over when reading it, that uh, Emerald Warriors is going to be a three ninety nine book. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm still going to get it, obviously, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, with DCBS, it really helps out with, you know, yeah. major discounts. And, like, obviously it sucks this an extra dollar, and I don't want it to be an extra dollar, either for me or for anybody else. At the same time, I can't bring myself to really fault DC for doing it. You know, for if, if only because... Well, for me, it's two reasons. One, they're they're taking a book that's part of a line of books, their Green Lantern line, that's still really popular coming off of Blackest Night. So even if some people choose not to try it out, they're probably still going to make enough of a profit off of the the heightened price to make it worthwhile. And two, Marvel did this exact same thing with at least one of their Avengers books last year and didn't have any problem with it. Like, people still bought it anyway, so it's... I mean, it was going to happen eventually, and all signs pointed that it would probably happen successfully, so... Yeah. You know, here it is. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's when I dropped Avengers. Oh, yeah. In that one, did you pick up Fantastic Four again because of that, or...? I, well, Fantastic Four was still two ninety nine, and it, it looked pretty interesting to me. So I actually started picking that up, and I, I'm still picking it up. I'm pretty sure it's still 2.99, but at this point, I don't even care because it's so good. Yeah, you know, maybe this is the answer to a question I had because it's been nagging in the back of my mind that for a very long time, we have not heard anything about the uh, the uh, co-feature that's supposedly coming into Green Lantern Core. Which, and now I'm thinking, you know, that edition would probably make this into a 3.99 book. Right. So, so maybe they're waiting. Maybe the, instead of like like giving us two thirds of the Green Lantern books changed into three ninety nine all of a sudden, maybe they're like they're used they're getting us used to the new creative team in this one while getting us used to the higher price point in Emerald Warriors, and then a few months down the line they'll they'll introduce the higher price point for the co feature in this book kind of thing you know taking an incremental approach to it. You know, it's it's interesting because if they had made Green Lantern Core, you know, if they had given that a uh, an extra feature and bumped it up to three ninety nine, like not only would I have no problem, you know, buying that, I would I would actively prefer that, you know, to be able to get a little bit more Green Lantern Core, you know, or whoever they feature in the back, you know, for just a dollar more, I would love that. It just, it seems, 
it seems odd that like the Guy Gardner book which seems like it would have you know kind of like n- not that it doesn't have a shot but the weakest legs out of all three of the Green Lantern books that's the one they're going to start off with the the 399 price tag mm. yeah mm. i mean realistically if you wanted to go for the one that had the highest chance of success you would just make the Hal Jordan book 399 cuz that's the one that you know it has its hooks in the most people, you know? Well, the only reason I would avoid that is because that's the one that's going to get you to want to read the other Green Lantern books. You know, like, Green Lantern is the gateway drug to Green Lantern Corps and Emerald Warrior. So if you make mm-hmm. Green Lantern two ninety nine, you know, then more people are apt to buy that. And then if they're, you know, if they still want more Green Lantern, you just got to pony up a little more cash for the others. Yeah, I, eh, I guess. I'll I'll say one thing, like without adding a a special feature to like JLA, if they just made JLA three ninety nine, like I would drop that in an absolute heartbeat. Oh, JLA sucks right now. I I don't know how you're continuing to read it now. Like the only reason I've been ordering is so we can cover the crossover. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Like before. Before this, you know, this particular team was going... Well, actually, uh, let's see. Who was the writer before Robinson? Um, Was that Dwayne McDuffie? Yes, yeah. Dwayne He's McDuffie. the one that got removed. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, like, he had... Not, not that they were horrible characters, but he had some of the most horrendous, you know, character selections... To work with, and yet he actually told some really interesting, fun stories. Like I, I was, I was shocked. Like I'd be reading a story, and it like crossed over with like the milestone characters, who I absolutely could not possibly care less for. And <laughs> I enjoyed the the whole issue. I enjoyed the whole storyline. It was brilliant. And they boot him off, you know, because he was complaining and understandably so because realistically he's got the JLA and he's you know he's been given Dr. Light to work with yeah. you know it's like that's one of their heavy hitters like come on like really really now they have James Robinson and you know it's like an entire team of second stringers it's like you know you have the Dick Grayson Batman Monel Superman Donna, whatever, Donna Troy as Wonder Woman. Um, It's just, it's, it's, it's like Teen Titans. Or, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like the Teen Titans book with the JLA title on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm really waiting for this to turn into something amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. well, I mean, it'll definitely be after Robinson's done. But. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, and I don't understand how, but Robinson was nominated for uh, an Eisner for his Cry for Justice. What? Yes. Yeah. What? Yeah. That, that. For, for writing? Yes. <laughs> no, he also moonlighted as the inker on that book. 
That would be acceptable. Yeah, it would be. Wasn't there no anchor? Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like, oh, God, that that was, I like I, I said, I read the first two issues, and it was just, it was so horrendous, I, I couldn't read it anymore. And and the the Eisner nominators, they not only saw fit to continue reading, but then also nominate him for an award. Uh... Yeah, I mean, like, and this isn't even to knock James Robinson, because, you know, I have read things by him that I've really enjoyed. Blackest Night Star, man. You love that. I love that. That was fantastic. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Man. Have we talked about everything we need to talk about? I think so. I thought I had something else, but I can't remember. That's probably it. I found the keychains Chad mentioned. Yeah. And I'm so very disappointed. Really? Actually, because the, the one that I had seen a long time ago, it was like, and I don't know what it was made of, maybe pewter, I have no idea. But it looked like a little metal circle with the Green Lantern emblem inside the circle with, like, the cutout parts to shape the symbol, you know. And that just had the ring on it, or the, the keychain ring, you know. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What? All right, I, I went through disappointment and then happiness and then disappointment and happiness. Because <laughs> I found, I'm looking through DCBS and I found the keychains. They're only selling them as a set. And the set is, their price for the set is 103.75. Oh, that's that's the price for the box. Okay. You get like 50 keychains for that much. Yeah, I. I would have liked one, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but the keychains, like you know those ma- the refrigerator magnets they have, where it's just like a black rectangle that has a symbol and it says like will underneath it. Right. That's what the keychains are. Right. Except but it's, there's a keychain on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's like a like a lucite, you know, coating. Uh huh. I, I I can't really describe what it's similar to, but. There's, there's plenty of keychains where, you know, I, I guess it, it's most similar to if you ever go into, like, have you ever been into Spencer's? Yeah, yeah. You know, they have, like, their wall of keychains, and typically you'll find, like, the little, like, plastic keychains, and inside the, the keychain it has, like, writing. Yes. You know, like some sort of clever saying. Yeah, yeah. It's no, basically I know. like that. That's, you know, that's oh, I know. what it is. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm just grossly disappointed in the fact that it is that. Like, I thought, I thought, oh, cool, there's going to be, like, I wanted, like, this free-hanging, just carved symbol, you know? And when I see, like, oh, it's this rectangle that has a picture of a thing with a word, and it's in, in place, oh, oh, great. So, <laughs> that was disappointing. Oh, well. I think they're pretty cool. Well, fine, you can get the box... And you can mail me one for free. <laughs> Too rich for my blood. Okay, let's uh, let's close this out because yeah. I know that there's a bunch of things that we're forgetting. But I mean, we're basically just getting back into the swing of things right now after puppy and moving and sickness and this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. So everything that we forget this week, hopefully, we'll remember for next week. Yeah. All right. So. 
God, how we close the show. You can <laughs> contact us at uh, Lantern. Uh, yeah, lanterntakeouts.com is our website, I think. Uh, you can email us at lanterncast at gmail.com or at jim, dan, or jason at lanterncast.com. We're on thecomicforums.com. Scroll down to L for lanterncast. Talk to us and a chunk of our listener base there. They're great folks. Uh, we're on <laughs> we're on iTunes. You can find our show there. You can call our voicemail number, which is... Two, I have it this time. Oh, actually, nice. 206 600 That's the right number, right? Yes, yes. Sweet. And, oh, and don't forget to follow the Rage Kitty on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Rage Kitty. <laughs> also, we have, uh, we gotta, we have to add a link to that on the webpage. Yes. Uh, we also have a Facebook page that you can follow us on. Uh, that and that and the the forums are all linked to our website. And uh, if you do subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a review. That would be awesome, and it helps us out, and it also makes us feel good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Good night, everybody. <laughs> good night.